Hey everyone, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wiles, entertainment reporter by day, sweatpant connoisseur by night. From hashtag to movement, we believe that loving all sides of you is what's healthy, and healthy is hot. Join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true, and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part? How health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, we don't hold back. There might be swearing, there's definitely gonna be some laughing, and hopefully, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life. To live your healthiest hot life. Hi everybody from my apartment. Hopefully everybody is staying safe during this time of social isolation and social distancing due to the pandemic that's happening around the world. But we got to keep going. We got to keep our spirits up. So I'm very excited to have Sarah Nicole Landry on this week's episode of the podcast. You probably know her better as the bird's papaya. She has inspired so many people on her social media platform and on her podcast. So she lost a hundred pounds through her weight loss journey. And you know what? At the end of that weight loss, she wasn't any happier. So now she's actually gone on this journey to figure out where happiness comes from and she's spreading her wisdom on self-love all over social media and empowering people to see their worth beyond their bodies. We get a little bit chatty about the COVID situation. You know, she's been working at home for a little while, so she shares some tips on how we can all use our time to the best of our abilities. And then, of course, we get into her story and there's some amazing takeaways that I think everyone is going to enjoy. So, Let's get to it. This week, the bird's papaya on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. I was just like, I don't know. I have so, I've always had so much respect for people who are self-employed or freelancers. You know, they've got, they can manage their time. They can choose how they spend their days. And I'm like day two of this self-isolation and I'm struggling so hard. So I really appreciate you being down to record this podcast because it's giving my day some structure. I know. No, I've only been like working for myself for just over a year and that's how I felt for the first while. So I, I really have like probably some undiagnosed ADHD. So <laughs> I don't sit well at home. I get up and I go to a coffee shop or I'm on the road a lot. I'm always on the go. I can't sit down and do the nitty gritty stuff. And it's really forced me into that. So, and the problem is because I don't have a, I don't have a setup at home. So oh, my no. back is killing me because I'm like trying to work off my sofa yeah. and my husband's working from home two floors up and he's like, his, his body is killing him. He's just like, well, he's, he got a bonus a little while ago. He's like, I thought I was going to spend it on fun stuff. And instead I bought like a really expensive ergonomic chair. When does that chair come in? <laughs> You know, right? Like he needs it. We're all just like in pain. We're trying to walk like crazy, but it's like the only thing you can do, go out for a walk, stay inside. Like that, that's yeah. it. It's the rotation. It's like a new normal. I feel like when we go back to normal life, we're all going to be like, God, this was exhausting. You're going to be so freaking grateful to be able to go to that coffee shop, to go to your yes. shop, to go to work. Like people are going to be so jazzed to be able to go into the office or wherever they like to work and hunker down. 
Oh, I so, so agree. And I think it's also going to slow us down in a way like forever. We've been just go, 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 go and glamorizing hustle. Like it's the most important thing in the world. And now it's like, actually, we really need to take care of ourselves in other ways. So I, and I think in a way, once we come out of this, we're going to recognize where we need to spend some more time on our own and staying mm -hmm. home and then balancing that. Cause I think there's parts of this we're really going to start to love and get used to. And then going back into normal life will feel like such a shock to the system. So yeah. I think we're going to come out better. I really do think we're going to come out better. It's actually, it's so interesting that, I mean, this is really a shitty situation that's going around, but it's amazing to see people, not just here in Canada, but really around the world, rally together for this one mm -hmm. common goal. I feel like mm -hmm. I haven't seen that in my life yet. And it's just like the fact that people are trying to respect what the, the World Health Organization is saying, and they're making the choice to stay home and not potentially contaminate other people. I do think that there are some positives out of this. We just kind of have to get through it to be able to really appreciate all of those positives. Oh, I so agree. Like there's part of me, I was saying this to my friend Brie yesterday. I I was like, there's part of me that's like, why do I love the drama of this just a little? Like, there's just something exciting about being part of history in this way. Like, our relatives have seen world wars, but that's still combative. Like you said, this is kind of a collective cause, and it's all of us kind of in it. And when I was looking at the stats this morning, 82% are already in recovery or recovered in China. So, I mean, th this started in January. We yep. actually have an end point. Like people are going to recover. This is going to stop, but we need to listen right now. We need to be incredibly careful and it's going to impact the next six months to a year, I'm sure, if not years. However, if we do this well and right, it would be done in three weeks. Like honestly, it would be. Well, so it's going to be in weeks. See how we do. You have three kids who are not going to be in school for a total of three weeks as of now, I think is the latest. I don't know if there's any other oh. education. Cause it's like March break yeah. two more weeks, right? Yeah. So we've got three weeks. Um, I share custody. So I have half and half. I wish they were just here all the time because there's the, the children are just so good at, I don't know, finding things, finding things to do. My son will literally walk into the room I, on normal nights. He walks into a room with a board game and we all sit down. So I'm, I'm kind of missing that part of missing mm -hmm. them being a part of this. So they'll be back home tomorrow. And so far, Alberta and BC have shut down schools for the rest of the school year. So they won't go back to school until September. We're kind of waiting to hear that. I, I don't know that either way, I think I'm just braced for whatever that might be. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to explore different types of learning. I'm no teacher. I can't even, they're in French immersion. I can't do that. But I can teach, like we can do like at home cooking school and we can do all these other fun things while I'm, they can be more integrated into my work and what we do. And they're, they're such little creators themselves because they've grown up. I've been blogging for 12 years. They've grown up in this industry with me. So there, it's so interesting now watching them be their own little people and be their own little creators. So I think I'm really going to encourage them just flexing that creativity while we kind of get through this and see what that looks like. And I'm really hoping my house gets really clean because we're going to have a chore list. Just do like one, one little cupboard a day. But yeah, I, honestly, well, I don't, I don't have children, but I know a lot of people who do, and I keep thinking about them and how they're dealing with all this because you know usually it's like you wake up the kids go to school you come home you make dinner yeah. you, work, you go to bed and now it's this 
increased time altogether where these little ones have to fill their time. And as a parent, I imagine you want to continue to educate them one way or another. Yeah. You said yeah. Because I think cooking is such a great way for people to come together, make memories, but you also have to think, you know, you got to measure stuff out. You got to time it out. You get to see the evolution of whatever. hundred percent. How are they feeling? Yeah, there's the, the COVID. Like, are they feeling any of the stress of all of this? Um, it's funny because my middle daughter, her birthday is her most favorite thing in the whole wide world. She plans her birthday from the day her birthday ends. So <laughs> for her, it's sad because it's next week is her birthday. And it's, it's I'm so I'm a little bit more fortunate because my kids are older. They have a better grasp on like self-maintaining. And in that way, I'm not like home with toddlers, which would be an entirely different game, but she's very confused in that regard. Like it's really hard for kids who don't really have consequential thinking yet. It's not formed in their brains to think if I do this, or if I'm selfish, this is what could happen. She, all she sees and hears right now is my birthday party was canceled. I'm not seeing my friends and family. Everything is ruined for my birthday. It really, really sucks. And so we're kind of just like, it, it does suck. And I'm really sorry, but I hope you know, like you will, you will have a birthday. Like we will celebrate. It will look different. And then we will do the normal stuff later. Like I don't want them to feel the pain of it. Like it's really hard for them to get out of how does this impact me? My oldest is a cosplayer and mm -hmm. she's taking it so well because all of the conventions. So that the cosplayers run on conventions, right? Like that's their goals. They plan for them. She's put her money towards her costume and planning and all of this just for it to be like, it's all canceled. So there's a lot where they're kind of navigating disappointment. And I think for as kids, they don't really deal with this level of disappointment very often, but um, they also have this little bit of, oh, it doesn't impact me. So kind of teaching them the structure of why this impacts the world, why we're doing what we're doing and who we're protecting, just to bring in not fear, but uh, an honesty to this whole process so that they kind of take this approach of we are part of the world, taking on a very big thing, and we're going to come out the other side and it's going to be a little weird and different right now. I mean, honestly, sometimes I, I talk to them like I need to hear it myself because we're all just kind of figuring it out. Wow. That's a really beautiful way to look at it. Okay. Before we get to your story, one more little COVID thing, because you've, yeah. been, you've been working on your own for a year. So for those of us that are kind of thrust into this new situation, then I know your situation has also been altered because of this canceled engagements. You obviously can't go oh, yeah. the usual thing, but do you have any tips for those of us that are really not used to managing our own time in this way? So it's funny because I, a little while ago, I realized that my life was very much riding. So in the last, in 2019, it was an, an uphill for me. There was a lot of good things that happened, but then I realized that I was kind of feeling like I needed that. I always needed to be on the up, up climb, right? Like I had to be at that mountain peaks all the time and not recognizing that every single day there was things that I was doing that deserve to be rewarded. So I started giving myself gold stars for the things that were just normal, just normal stuff like going to the bank or making that phone call or canceling that account, whatever it was, like the things that I kept avoiding, I started rewarding myself for those types of things. So that thinking was kind of already in my mindset when this all came into play. So I really don't love being at home and I'm not going to like joke and kid about that, but I am still taking the same type of mentality of, what are my small celebrations? What are my small steps? So the other night, I before I went to bed, I'm like, the first thing I'm going to do, so every day, get up, get ready, get dressed. Even if it's cozy, get dressed, get dressed, 
change your clothes, do your hair and makeup. These things are like scientifically proven to help us in our, in our mental health, just proper hygiene as a, as a goal. And when we don't really have anywhere to go, (laughs) it's really important for us to like take care of ourselves. And it's, and it's so interesting because you realize how much you've been doing that for external world, not necessarily for ourselves. So starting to do things for ourselves. So little tiny things like planning to go for a walk, planning a FaceTime with a friend, planning different things that kind of anchor your day a little bit. And then kind of just like give yourself a lunch break normally, give yourself an end time normally and do things that do make you happy. So for instance, I normally don't have sugar in my coffee, but today I was like, I'm having sugar in my coffee because that's going to make my morning just a little bit better. So I'm going to do that. And that's something that to me was like, huh, gold star, did it, like done. Things that are just, you know, tackling on little, little projects around the house, changing over the laundry, keeping myself motivated with new things has been really, really key. And I think, um, we, you know, we're, we're home and we're healthy and we have, we've asked for this time. How many times have we asked to like have an opportunity like this that I know I have. So I'm trying to just look at it with so much gratitude of look how much we can do right now and what an opportunity we have to be grateful for the things that we can do. So just a mentality and perspective is everything, but I think it's also totally valid and okay to, to journey through the hardships of it as well. A lot of us haven't spent time alone with ourselves for a long time and uh, there's going to be some feelings that come up and I think that's totally okay. Yeah. And it, it, it almost comes back to that point where you were saying, especially I feel like in this city, this province, this community that we're in, having a side hustle, glamorizing, being over busy, overtired, overworked has been like this gold star that we've almost been striving for for so long that now this situation is completely putting that at a standstill and we're forced to really reevaluate like, who are we? What do we love? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. Because we're just slamming our schedules full, but does it actually bring us joy? And the fact that you talked about just waking up and having your regular routine is so important. And I can vouch for it because today I actually did that. The last couple of days I've been in such a funk, so confused, feeling lost, very anxious, just like anxiety at an all time high. Yeah. Days, and I couldn't really pinpoint why. And I still am struggling with that. But today I told myself I was going to change that. You know, having this podcast session was nice because it gave me something yeah. to, to get excited for something that gave a little semblance of what life was like just a mere week ago. But I got up, I showered, I blow dried my hair, I put on makeup. We're not even doing this video and I have makeup on and it's not look a certain way. It's just to like give myself a little bit of just being like, you're worth it. You're worth putting on a little mascara. Yeah. Something that does. Exactly. It might seem very vain, but it's something that I would do every day for work. So just giving myself that little nod of what used to be has really, really helped. And just wearing real clothes. Like I have just been living in my pajamas, like not changing. And yeah, no, today it, it's so valid to be wearing a bra, but at least I'm wearing a different shirt and wearing yeah. pants, you know, yeah. like, I feel like I'm setting the tone for my day. <laughs> no. And they've, there's so much science behind it too. This is what they tell people when they're out of work. Um, not to just when you're applying for jobs and writing a resume to actually dress for the job you want. And we've heard that saying before, but that's truly the mindset of what it does. I know myself and I've known this for years because I used to be a stay at home mom. So I had the option to just live in my pajamas all day. But if I woke up and I did my hair and makeup, I was a different person and it's not about the vanity of it. Mm -hmm. It's the self care. And, but we've applied it to the vanity somewhat similar to 
when we go get our hair done, for instance, and we feel like this surge of confidence, we place it on, oh, I got my hair done. My hair looks good. That's why I feel good. We forget that actually we've had somebody put their hands on us. We've invested money in ourselves and we've had this moment of self-care and we walk out and yes, we have this bomb hair as a part of it. It's a pillar of that. But it is not the whole reason that we feel so amazing. So when we get up in the morning and we do those acts of self-care, there's something that shifts within our brains that says you are worthy, you are worth it. And I took this moment in time and your whole day and mentality can shift by those small acts. So it's not about vanity. It's, 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 it's so much more than that. So I think it's really, I think it's cool that you brought that up because I think that's truly a big thing that I think a lot of people need to recognize. Even my husband's work, they, they put a big, point on that to encourage their employees to get up and get dressed and, and act like he kisses me goodbye, even though he goes upstairs. We're <laughs> so <cute>. <laughs> yeah. I, he's, we kind of laugh, but we're like, okay, bye honey. Like have a good day at work. And I see him at lunchtime and I see him when he's done, when he's off at the end of the day, like that's it. Having a little bit of that normalcy. Well, I'm glad that you're, you're holding down the fort at home. I'm excited for you, for your kids to come home tomorrow so you can go back to board games and, and planning a beautiful uh, birthday party for your daughter, even though it will be different. Yeah, um, it will be different, but yeah. You are so open and candid and honest on your social media. And I did such a deep dive on your blog while getting ready for this. But for those who may not be familiar with the bird's papaya, when and where Mm -hmm. and why did that start for you? Because it really has thrown your life into this amazing trajectory where every day you're out there helping women see their worth uh, beyond what beauty standards have told us for decades, if not even longer. Yeah. So it actually, for me, the birth supplies started when I was a stay at home mom, um, 12 years ago and I had two little girls at home and I actually named it after them. So Gemma, Birdie, Maya, Papaya, it's their nicknames and merged together. And back then it was like, that's what you did. You had to have a really cute blog name and then you went forward with it. And, and these craft blogs at the time when I was, when I was a stay at home mom, these craft blogs, mostly out of Utah began to surge online. And for the first time, I felt this like weird connection with other humans that I didn't know on the internet. These weren't my Facebook friends. They weren't people. I felt like I had this whole new group of people that I was connecting with because they were in similar situations as me, doing these really cool things, using their, like finding creativity in the mundane of, you know, motherhood. And, and I say mundane, but I mean like mundane creatively, right? So I kind of started from there and I had this horrific craft blog. It was so awful. It was poorly written. The photos were like off of a really old, old, like point and shoot camera. It was, it was horrific, but there was part of me that just kept going and really loving what I didn't realize at the time was human connection. So fast forward through that, I've now got three kids. I've moved back home to my hometown. Instagram's now a thing, but not quite in the same level that blogs are. But again, because I've now come on Instagram, I found all my blog friends and we all added each other. And, and it was like, oh, we have a new platform to hang out on. Like, this is really cool. And it's, it's a lot more what's going on in your day instantly as opposed to this curated blog. So I really, really loved what Instagram was. However, at the time, I also was now in my third postpartum season. I've always been overweight since I was 12. So, and that's, I mean, it was no, it wasn't even that large of a swing for me between like what I weighed as an adult at 19 when I got married 
versus what I was at 25 with three children. But coming home back into my hometown, I lost this anonymous life that I had living six hours away in Ottawa. So when I came home, I just immediately placed all of my anxieties and social fears onto my body and my weight. And this is also in the time of social media when we see, we're starting to see all these transformations and stuff. And I was like, yes, I could totally do this. And I did it very with like, how do I say this? Without access to information and without access to education around this, because I was doing it at home in the clothes that I had with no extra money and with three kids around. So I simply downloaded an app that told me how much, how many calories to eat a day and exercise by what I knew I could do. So I lost weight extremely rapidly and uh, the internet truly loved me for it. And I was so excited about it. This is the first time I've really experienced weight loss in this way. And so I was really, I was really excited about what felt was my journey into happiness. I was finally going to be happy with my body. I was finally not going to be the biggest girl in the room. I was finally not going to be all of these things that I felt were negatives about me. And I, through that process, I lost about a hundred pounds. Wow. So all well and good, as you would think. But again, going back to that point of no education um, and no proper information around this, I was grossly under eating and over exercising. And so what it ended up going into after I lost that weight was actually disordered eating and you know over exercising, never properly diagnosed because again, I didn't really see it as a problem. All I saw was that I had lost weight sidebar of all of that was I lost weight, but my whole life was in shambles. I was in, I was so unhappy in my marriage. I was in a bad relationship. I needed to get out of that. I didn't really have a career. I didn't have any experience. I now am going through a divorce. I'm moving in with my parents at age 30 with three kids. And all anybody sees me for and is happy about is that I lost all this weight and how good I looked, even though at this point now I'm slipping down to a size zero, 114 pounds. I'm 5'8". I'm frail as anything. I'm going through the most stressful event of my life that nobody knows about. But congratulations, you're thin. So... It was, it was hard. And, and to be honest, I had more anxiety about my body than ever before. I now have my body on this performance track on Instagram where it's, it's almost important for me to continue to lose weight, do something. So it got really, really difficult to keep up with performing and, and knowing what that was. And all of my worth was tied into what I looked like. All of it was. So now I'm in this exhausting curve of, I really thought that weight loss was going to make me happy and it didn't. I've told the story online of my success and it's a bit of a lie. I didn't realize it was a lie. I wasn't purposely doing that. Mm-hmm. I have some really deep seated fat phobic thoughts and mentalities around different size bodies and I have to now start a recovery from this massive disordered eating. And I need to start eating normally again for my size and weight, what is healthy, all of these things. And I had to gain weight. So these are not things that people love to see after you see a massive weight loss. Do we really want to see a weight gain? That's not really the story we're told. And so I kind of, because I'd been living my life online, exhausted from this whole process, I decided to openly talk about it and uh, openly talk about the things that 
there's this saying that once you tell a secret, it loses its power. And that's kind of the approach I was taking is my stretch marks and my cellulite and my loose skin were these, these parts of me that no matter what size and weight I was, felt like they were holding me back. They felt like they were a secret that was holding a power over me. And if I shared them, what would happen? And when it was first shared, it was actually my stretch marks um, in particular, it was actually shared by um, Nixware. I, I modeled for them. They had plucked me off of social media and put me into an ad. So for the very first time it was ever shared, it was not under the context of me sharing it. It was the, under the context of somebody else. So when they shared it, I got to see the response from the sidelines of it all. And the response being, oh my gosh, I've never seen another woman that looks like me. I didn't know other women had stomachs like this. This is exactly what my body looks like. I've never seen it before over and over and over and over. And I thought, oh my gosh, we've all been hiding in the corners. I had no idea there was others like me either. There were so many of us, and yet we've never seen each other. We didn't even know each other existed. So I just knew that this was important. I knew how I felt in that moment when I saw other people that looked like me, what that felt like to feel included, what that felt like to feel beautiful with those differences. And I really just wanted to start normalizing so much of what is truly normal for so many. Such a roller coaster of a journey. I know, I know. Holy I'm sorry. I'm like, here's my life in five minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> a bit. I mean, I, there's so many things that I, I like want to unpack, but I want to, first of all, like commend you for realizing that the path that you were on was not a healthy one and for being able to turn that around. And I'm so grateful that Nix did pluck you out of social mm -hmm. media to basically remind you of your worth and the beauty in your stretch marks because you have those because you've carried three beautiful children in your body and it makes me so happy to know that social media was kind to you because especially you know with everything that you had been through up until that moment to bear all in that way in that new way I can only imagine how terrifying that was for you mm -hmm. well I think that we are kind of given this message for so long that our bodies are placed on this earth for the satisfaction of men and for the satisfaction of others. So there was a little bit of peeling back of the onion for me there. And there was resistance. Like, I'm not going to lie. There was definitely resistance from people seeing it for the first time and experiencing that, which only reminded me why it was important it to, for it to be shared. Because we can't blame men for this. At the same time, they're growing up in a society that sees the same mold of women over and over and over so it's, it's slowly opening up the doors for them as well to experience the different facets of beauty and the different facets of women as we discover it for ourselves. But it does take that little bit of stepping forward and, and that willingness to do that. Um, and now it's been such a cool experience. I mean, I had a friend who, um, you know, he's grown up with his mother his whole life and his mom found my Instagram page and he was like, she told me that basically since I was born, she struggled with her stomach so much. And this is like the first time she's ever felt good about it. And he's like, it's my own mom. And I didn't even know it. Like, it, it's interesting watching men learn those perspectives and that change. And I mean, it's been a journey for me too. I'm, I'm now remarried. And I spent the first year and a half of my relationship with a shirt on in the bedroom. I didn't allow him to touch my stomach. We couldn't even like hug that way. There was a lot of healing that had to be done out of me thinking that these were bad parts of me. And now I literally get to be hugged 
because he wanted to hug me in the first place. Now I get to receive that because a little bit is like, I got my head out of society's ass and I realized <laughs> this isn't, this isn't the worst thing. This isn't the, like, we're, a part of me is like, you know, where all of our bodies go to crap eventually. Like they all change and sag and stretch and do these things. But we hold ourselves to a standard of like a 15 year old girl. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that I'm a 35 year old woman and my body's changed. And that's really cool of my body to grow with me and change like that. So really, um, really trying to look at it constantly through new lenses and constantly valuing my worth for who I am beyond what I look like. It's okay to care. It's okay to like have those thoughts and feelings, but also it's just not the most important things. You can be the most beautiful person in the room, but if you're, if your personality is like wet cardboard, you're not really going to benefit the room. So I care much more about benefiting the room with who I am and my, and my presence around those people like I do with others, right? I don't like the people I love most in my world. I don't look at them and be like, oh, I love them because they've got a great set of abs. No, I love them because they care about me. I love them because I see how they're kind to the world. I love them for the way that they can treat people in a room. Like it's all of those things that kind of bring us home to our, the true worth and the real reasons why we love people and why we care about them. I'm very happy that you are now getting hugs left, right, and center, and that you feel like you don't have to wear a t-shirt in bed. But I do think that right? a lot of women can relate to because they have so much shame and hatred and disgust towards their own body that the mm. idea of having someone else come near it or see it in broad daylight is a terrifying thing because we put our worth and our value in it and we think it's going to be the biggest turnoff or this person that we know loves us will no longer love us because of that. And I think that's, it's such a, it's such a scary place to find yourself in. And, um, just going back to, I just want to quickly, quickly go back to your weight loss journey. And then you, you, hit yeah. or you realized you had to change something because I think weight loss is, um, it can be a very addictive process. Um, for yourself, you see that number go down. If that's something you've worked really hard for, you love seeing that number go down. Then on top of that, you've got, um, you know, people in your life continue complimenting you on that weight loss, how good you look. Maybe you're on social media and you get the feedback through likes and comments and DMs. For you, obviously you realized you were headed down an unhealthy path. How did you realize, okay, I need to stop this. I need to change this because what I'm doing in my body is not healthy and will eventually lead me into a place of really bad disordered eating that may not be recoverable. Um, yeah, it's funny because I actually had a, both my mom suffered from an eating disorder when she was younger and my sister was a 10 year anorexic bulimia survivor as well. Um, and yet I fell into it. And yet I talked about calories around them. Yet all of these things that I thought was just not me because I wasn't that bad because I wasn't those things. Diet culture is really, really real. And it's very different from, you know, when people talk about diet as a whole is just like how we eat. But diet culture is the thing that says, if you just eat less and if you're smaller, you hold more worth in this world. Here, buy this product so that you can find that worth in this world. It's incredibly predatory and it, and it kind of sells on this message of you know, success and happiness. And, and into the stats of it, 25 to 35% of people who go on a diet will end up in disordered eating or an eating disorder full-blown. 95% of diets fail. 
So we're sold a message that has a 95% failure rate, but a 25 to 35% risk of a disordered eating. I know that stuff now. Back then, I didn't know that. So I think, I don't even know what moment exactly it hit me, but I think there was just a lot of, as I was coming out of, you know, this, this bad relationship and into true health, when I say true health, I mean my mental health my physical health and even how I was looking at food and eating again, there was so much fear. And I knew that it was a little bit weird and wrong that I was that scared to eat. Um, I knew that it was a little bit wrong that I had enjoyed not having an appetite during that time of stress. And so I started to see the red flags for myself. And there was a couple people that, you know, were part of this body positive movement that I had seen online. They'd always come up in my Explorer page and I just was so uninterested. I just couldn't hear it because they're, they're telling me a message I'm not ready to receive and I ignored them completely. But in those moments when it started to get really, really dark and I started to realize I kind of went back into those people and I started reading their stories and I started to understand most of them had almost the exact same story as me. Most of them had gone through some sort of a massive weight loss, fallen into some sort of a disordered eating and now healing through it where they had to learn how to re like relearn how to eat properly, how to forgive themselves, how to rid themselves of shame and step into a more all facets of health. Right. And, and what that looked like. So to be honest, it was a lot of social media kind of helping me with that awareness, but I don't know if there's like one specific thing. I just remember it feeling very, very wrong mm -hmm. when I was privately going through a divorce at a sense and had lost so much more weight through that stress, how congratulatory people were without having any context to what was really going on with me. And you know what, there was some concern from people around me. People were trying to start like tiptoe into that. And I was so offended at the time, but now I realize where they were really trying to approach it with so much love. And I, and I think that that's, that's something that I have a lot of gratitude for now looking back, but at the time was incredibly scary to face this reality of, oh my gosh, there might actually be disordered eating. I might actually have an eating disorder and recovery looks like weight gain. And I have to, I have to go through those feelings and I have to I have to figure that out and I've got to figure it out fast, but I will say this fully gaining weight, like lose. I just, I kicked my scale out of my house. That was a really key thing. It definitely determined my mood a lot more often than not. Um, and he, it's, it's so bizarre now because I actually prefer where I am now because I love that my life is so much more than how small I was and, and needing that validation all the time. Like I have such a, deeper purpose in my life and with my body. And I actually quite enjoy my curves and I quite enjoy having, um, you know, a medium sized body instead of this extra, extra small that I was for this hot second. And a lot of that I think comes, stems out of, um, a lot of sadness, uh, from being overweight for so long. And just this, this desire to be accepted by society in a new way. What people don't really expect though is when you are accepted by it, how sad you are for like the realization that there's a lot of people who aren't because you remember what it was like on the other side of the coin. You remember what it was like to go to the back corner of the store to shop while all your friends got to sh like shop in straight sizes and you had to go into an entirely different section 
let alone maybe even a new store. There's so much in our society that really puts down anybody who is of a bigger size. So I think there was a lot I was just trying to heal through that process of weight loss. And now I have the perspective of both sides and I can tell you straight up, neither made me happy. It was so much more internal than anything else. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they, when they decide they want to lose some weight, they think when they get to that goal, everything will be great. They'll be so happy. They'll love themselves. But what, mo what a lot of people don't talk about, which is why I love that you have spoken about it, is sometimes you get to that goal and you might end up being more unhappy than you were at the beginning of the journey because it just yeah. changes your mindset. And I love that you don't have a scale at your house. I used to have one like way back in the day and I did every diet under the sun. And at one point I realized that it completely did affect my mood for the entire day. If I stepped on the scale in the morning and it wasn't lower than the day before, well then that would be it. I'd have to cancel lunch plans. I'd have to change my lunch that day. Um, and it was such a bad place to be because I put so much worth and value into this number and I was incredibly unhealthy and I was really unhappy. And at one point I was like, this has got to go. This is just no place in my life. And I had yeah. my relationship with food and like, look at it as fuel, look at it as enjoyment, look at it as making memories rather than look mm -hmm. at it. Oh, okay. That banana, not sure I can eat a banana today because do you know how much sugar is in a banana? Like what a wild way to look at a beautiful piece of fruit. And I, I yes. like it was, it was so fucked up the way I looked at food and I think I still, those thoughts are still definitely prevalent in my brain, but I think the positive voice shuts down the negative voice a lot more now. And I, I have changed the way I look at food, but that negative voice is, is still there. I don't know for you, if you've completely been able to extinguish it or how you were able to kind of focus on the light rather than the darkness throughout all this, as far as negative thought cycles go. Oh, it's there definitely still there. I think like anything else, we learn how to shut it down faster. But at the beginning of this, it would be like a two, three day process. It would be me looking at myself in the mirror or seeing something a certain way. I would be now sobbing in the bottom of my closet, like wanting to burn my entire wardrobe because nothing felt like it fit me right. It was really weird. Like or, or I would excessively spend money trying to, you know, renew my wardrobe to feel better, to feel better, to look better. It was really, really difficult. And then, you know, it's quite similar to the way that we teach children how to handle a bully. Do we tell them to engage it? Do we tell them to fight it? Like, no, we tell them to walk away. So I started to create that mentality for myself and, and recognizing that I, I did have choice in my thoughts. We think we don't. We think that we are captive to them, but there is part of us that we are able to shut down a feeling and a thought and move away from it or distract ourselves from it. So sometimes it would be as simple as, I feel really uncomfortable in my clothes right now. I don't feel good about myself. I'm acknowledging that, but I'm going to walk out the door. I'm going to grab my keys as fast as I can and get out the door because I can't live in this thought. This isn't going to be my, this isn't going to be my narrative today. But in order to relearn narratives, we have to unlearn a lot. There's a lot of unpacking. So when people talk about, this is where I really struggle because people want everything to be a positive experience. That's why like body positivity as a whole, I don't really align with it as a, as a word structure because it's very toxic to tell people that if you just loved yourself enough, you won't have these feelings anymore when it's, it's not really like that. You're moving away from self-hate, but most of us live in a body neutral place. It's more of a recognition that we don't always feel positive about our bodies. 
We don't always feel negative about our bodies. Most days we feel just neutral. We understand that life is worth living beyond our bodies, that our bodies are no longer going to be the reason that we don't exist in life today because there are a lot of factors. Like when you were talking about a weight loss goal, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to get that bathing suit then and I'm going to go and have that vacation then and I'm going to do these things with my family when I hit that goal. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, you know, six to nine months of somebody halting their regular life and the ability to go to the beach with their children or take a vacation because they feel like their body is not in a place of worth yet. So if you have body neutral thinking, it says, you know what? No, I don't love my body today, but I don't hate it. But we're going to the beach because that is where our life is today. That is actually so much more important than what I look like is these memories that I'm going to create today and this life that I'm going to live today. And so I think it's incredibly important not to create this toxic positivity around these messages that says, hey, you're going to love your body if you just stop thinking about it so much. And you're going to love your body if you do this and that. Like These are also potentially lies for a lot of people. I will say full like straight on, there are days that I love my body and there are days that I loathe my body, but most days I'm just very neutral about it. I just don't care that much. I care about, like you said, fueling it. I love to move it and exercise it, but it's no longer because I feel I need validation and how I look externally from the world. And sometimes it is, sometimes that creeps up too. And I think it's important to be honest about that in recovery of any form, there will always be moments of doubt and there will always be moments of negative thinking. And then there's going to be a lot of positive too. Oh, that's my cat just knocking something down in the background. <laughs> Hello, cat. Welcome. Welcome. No, I think I've Ugh. never heard anyone talk about the body positive movement in that way. And you're so right. Like I have never really been able to pinpoint why I don't feel a hundred percent about the body positive movement as a whole. And I think, mm. I think it's that we put it on this pedestal and that it, yeah, life is not black or white. Life is often very much in the gray. And if we can find the joy in being in the gray, sometimes there will be those extremes, but if we can be okay with body neutrality, I think that's an amazing, amazing direction to try to strive for. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think what body positivity started for and what it was rooted in was for women of all different, and men of all different shapes and sizes to have access to normal medical care, to have um, more respect in their life, no matter where they are. The fact is I'm still a medium sized woman living in a straight size world for myself, but for a lot of women who exist in larger bodies, uh, now they're very, or they're fat positive bodies, they go to the doctor for a sore throat and all they're told is to lose weight. There's no discussion as to anything else. They're not given proper medical care. They are shamed publicly. Their lives are threatened on the daily. There is so much stigma around a larger size body without looking at any other factors of their life and of their world. We just care about what they weigh. And so there's part of me too that understands the, his, the history of body positivity as a movement and who it was truly meant for. And it, it, there are these two streams of it. There's the ones that we see where it's self-esteem based and there's one that's a human rights based. So um, I think it's really, that's why I'm also very cautionary because I'm like, mine is much more in an eating disorder recovery or self-esteem, but there's a whole group of people who are fighting for their basic human rights under this same category. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for a lot of them who are struggling for those human rights to see women kind of going into the same stream of a movement 
with their self-esteem issues. And it's not saying that either is, is valid or invalid. They're all valid. Mm-hmm. Pain is relative. We all experience it in different ways. Somebody can have a migraine and stub their toe. And those are both parts of pain. Those are both aspects of pain that are very different yet both pain. So there's just a lot of history with it there too, that I think makes it difficult to kind of say like, yes, I'm part of the body positive movement. When I know that it, it, it's not, I'm, it's not a human rights issue for me. People are still very, very good and kind to me. I can still shop in regular stores. And, uh, it's until I take aspects of my clothes off and show my cellulite or my stretch marks to people go, Oh, like, it's kind of like a funny, it's a kind of a funny thing when you look at it that way, right? Where I know like people just can't imagine what's going on for so many other people in the world. So yeah, like it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting social thing to discuss, but it's why I don't really label myself that way. Other people do, and that's totally fine. Um, but I, I'm really cautionary to not put myself in that same category because I've learned so much about it. Yeah. No, and I think it's I think it's smart too. And I think, yeah, I think what you're what you're really putting out into the world is is just this idea of accepting who you are, where you're at, and knowing that cellulite and stretch marks and curves and weight change, like this is all normal parts of life. Like all oh, yeah. are beautiful and all women come in different shapes and sizes with little specks and dots and bumps and dimples everywhere. And and you're basically just being like, hey, it's okay. It's beautiful. It's okay. It's like we just have, but there's just so many other cooler things about us. Like I can't imagine, I can't, it makes me sad to think that these are the things that hold us back from being the badasses that we are in every other aspect. And why are dimples on the face so cute? And they're not cute on my butt. Like, no, I, I reject that as a thought. So I'm choosing that they are also adorable. I freaking love this. So <laughs> You're so right. Dimples on a face. Like, oh, look at those cute little dimples. I the mean, cutest. While you're, while you're on your journey of self-love, and I'm sure that you still are on a journey of self-love because I think that that journey will never end and I hope it doesn't end. Um, what are kind of like the baby steps people can take? Because I think a lot of people do struggle with self-hatred. They look at their bodies and they immediately pinpoint the things that they hate. They're, the way they feel about themselves stops them from living their life. And I think there's not one prescription for self-love and for healing, but with your experience, what are some things people can start to at least think about doing in order to kind of step towards that, that direction of self-love? Well, I think a lot of it comes uh, from self-awareness, like straight up. And, and this came from my therapy because I had, I had PTSD and my therapist was like, you have no opinion of your own. You sponge everybody else's and then you apply it to your life. So I actually actively had to start listening to myself. So through that process of listening to myself, I started to understand what some of these negative thoughts that were coming up and what are these positive thoughts that I'm having as well? Because the fact is a lot of us, when we're having thoughts, they kind of go in one ear and they go out the other of our own brains. And we don't take time to actually sit with those thoughts at all. So I think that what's been really important for me is to actually unpack them, to uh, write them down. Actually, a lot of my captions have come from capturing those moments of thought. And I think what happens then is you have an opportunity to deconstruct it a little bit. Sometimes we have those feelings as simple as 
I really don't feel good about myself. And we don't take time to see why. What was it that caused it? A lot of times, for me, a big one was I didn't realize how many different accounts I was following on social media were actually causing these feelings in myself and not by the fault of those people, but for things that I had to do some healing with. So maybe a great time to unfollow some accounts, maybe a great time to read some different books and different material, just really taking time with self-awareness so that you can start to understand your own kind of like cracks in the foundation of where there might be problems that we can start to fill, fill them in with like some better like structure. Right. So, um, I think that's the key for me has really, really been in self-awareness and, and understanding you can't rewrite a narrative if you don't even know what the narrative is and you're not willing to listen to it. Um, so, um, and then the other part of it would be just filling it in with, sorry, and just filling it in with like really good other messages, like paying attention to the ones that make you feel really good as well and, and getting more of those and, and also looking at why those made you feel better what was it about it that made you feel so good? Just paying attention. Yeah. And you wrote this really awesome thing and it was like, I can't remember exactly, but it was start telling your reflection positive things and you might actually start to believe it. And I think that's really cool because it might seem silly at the beginning, but if you can actually look yourself in the eye, in the mirror and tell yourself positive things, things that you would tell your best friends, things that you would tell a colleague, but we so rarely tell them to ourselves. Like if you can actually take a second and be like, Hey, you are awesome. You are amazing. You're going to go have a great day. It feels so silly in the moment, but I think if we practice positive thought, it'll actually become a habit, which is like the most simple way for us to kind of be able to shift our perspective, just feeding ourselves some positive messages, just a couple of positive affirmations a day, you know? Absolutely. Because the fact is, and I had these women who make these affirmation cards, um, Love Power Co. They told me, they were on my podcast and they were, they were sharing with me that basically we all have affirmations every single day, all every moment of every single day. And they're either positive or they're negative. So we have to kind of make those choices. And I've had other people tell me that like through positive affirmations and speaking to themselves, there actually is a point that it does become truth because you start to understand that it's always been true, that it's always been there. You've always had worth. You've always had beauty. We just made it look like it was going to be something else. And we don't recognize how much more it is. And it's not so external and it's, it's so much deeper and it's so much more beautiful, the facets of it all. Right. So, and it's scientifically, if we want to go there too, it, look at the science of if you talk positive, oh, there's my dog. If we talk positively to a plant or if we speak negatively to a plant, the plant that you speak positive to actually thrives better while the other one will wilt and not do so well. So there is positivity in that <laughs> regard is something that I don't think is a toxic realm. I think that it's actually really important that we, we choose positive words that we say to ourselves while we kind of relearn these things because it's, it's so true. And, and it doesn't have to be like, you're a beautiful human. It can be like, you're strong. Like you're stronger than you know. It can be things as like, you're, you're smart. Look how much life experience you've had. Look how much you've learned. It's not, you, are, you as, are you smart compared to the world? It's, are you smart? It's like, you are these things. We already are. We have worth. We always have. We are strong. We have always had strength. We are beautiful. We have always been beautiful. It is not these external factors that we've constantly placed as 
the goal in order to feel those things. So I think it's really just such a beautiful journey through that. And I think it's going to be one of those things that if we do it right and we do it well, when we're 80 and we're living in our Boca Raton like condos and we look back on life, we're going to be so thankful that we made the choice to live because eventually we're all going to be in a place where our bodies are not going to be the most important parts of us anymore. And we're going to be so thankful that we made that shift so that we could exist in our lives and in our worlds. Yeah. Although I hope that like by 80, I hope I still love my, like, I hope I'm still in a place of self-love and I can look at myself and be like, yup, this body has lived a life. Hey, there's a reason that there's a reason that sex lives actually get more rampant as they get older because they're more confident because they don't give a shit. So how do we have 85 year old mentality in our 30 something selves or 20 something selves or 40 something selves? How do we adopt that? And it's a lot of giving less shits and living more life. Well, I'm fucking, I'm here for that. I'm so here for right? that. I'm here for everything you're putting yeah. out in the world. You just did a huge milestone on social media. And I think your platform deserves all the love it's getting because you are unlike anyone I've seen on social media when it comes to celebrating your worth. And the captions are so well thought out and so deep. And and yeah, I just, I absolutely adore everything that you're doing in the world. So I really, Thank really you. appreciate you doing this amidst all the chaos today in the world, but we will find some moments of calm and some moments where we can yes. kind of push forward. Um, so before I let you go, I always end the podcast with uh, the same question and that's what does healthy is hot mean to you? It can be a word, a mantra, a feeling, Ooh, that's a good one. Um, healthy is hot and it, it really is. But to me, that's, it's, it's all facets. It has to be all facets. And um, it, is not, it is not in our bodies. It's not in our forms necessarily. It is all of them. It's, it's our mental health. It's our emotional health. It's, it's all of it. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. It's, it's mental, it's physical, it's nutritional, it's career health, it's spiritual health. It's all yes. when we attune to every element, that's truly when we feel healthy. It's not being a certain pant size or stepping on a scale and seeing a certain number. Like absolutely much more. It's playing, it's enjoying, it's being in tune, it's having the self-awareness. Oh, get so excited talking about this. Um, you have brought me so much joy by giving my name. So thank you. I know. Your cat and your dog for making an appearance. I want to thank your husband <laughs> for being upstairs and your kids for coming back tomorrow. So thank you so much. Um, stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much, girl. Uh, really appreciate it. And yeah, get up tomorrow, do your hair again, do your stuff, and <laughs> we can do another podcast if we need to. I don't know. Let's keep adding that structure everywhere we can. <laughs> I'm down. Tomorrow I might wear lipstick. That might be my thing. Oh, there. Ooh, ooh, we're level upping. Okay, okay. Lipstick. All right, thank you. Thank you. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Chloe Wild. If you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out. Rate and leave us a comment. Follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. See you next week.